0: is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley. Three big things have been all over media this week. Of course, the race for president with the Iowa caucus last week, the New Hampshire primary set for Tuesday, the Super Bowl, go Cam Newton, no secret I bleed red and black, but with both Cam and Peyton Manning both having worn orange, Cam Newton's from Atlanta, so I'm pulling for the Panthers. And then we have The People versus O.J. Simpson. It's the first season of American Crime Story on FX, and the first episode of this 10-part miniseries drew more than five million viewers. Here's what's coming up Tuesday night.
1: I don't know what you guys are cheering for. Once OJ made his money, he split and never came back. He became white. Well, he got the cops chasing him. He's black now. <laughs> Does a murder suspect disappear from a house full of people? Is death penalty on the table? I'd say everything is on the table.
0: All right.
1: You're going to say this case is all about race? Yes, because it is.
0: It's interesting. A lot of black people think O.J. didn't do it. What? Give me your impressions of Marsha Clark.
1: She seems like a bitch.
0: Judge, they play the race card. Race has never and will never be an issue in this case. Bob. It is not that simple. It's time for you to make a move. Well, so you're saying that you've never used the N-word? Never. Whatever happens, don't do firm. Make the white people do. Yes, can I tell you about it, Nicole? We will go clubbing and sometimes we'll want cocaine.
1: We are going to sell a lot of bucks. Johnny's out there trashing me in front of every TV camera he can find. You're going to help us win, and Johnny can go screw himself.
0: You know what that is?
1: Miss Clark's tombstone. You're losing control. What I just saw up there is
0: completely avoidable.
1: We need to do it now.
0: Somebody call 911! I
1: want this to end. This right here is the
0: run of your life. Television covered the trial gavel to gavel more than 20 years ago. When the verdict was read in October of 1995, 150 million people were watching. Now that's how many folks tuned in for the Super Bowl halftime show last year. The so-called trial of the century gave birth to reality TV, court TV, and so much more. It made instant stars out of the key players and unlikely stars of their families. One of those people is Tiffany Cochran Edwards, a woman I've known for more than 20 years. She answered a question about the people versus O.J. Simpson on her Facebook page this week, and I thought more people should hear what she had to say. So joining us today is Tiffany Cochran Edwards, former news anchor at 11 Alive and the daughter of the lead attorney in the O.J. Simpson case, the late Johnny Cochran. She works today as the national brand manager and public relations director at the Cochran firm. She's also the communications director at the Cochran law firm. And she is, uh, you know, we go way back. I remember the first time we talked you were getting ready to go to work in Florence South Carolina Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think that was about the time that this was all playing out in the mid-90s yeah you have a
1: great great memory I'm so glad to be here with you and of course the audience also remembers you from your 11 years at channel 11 channel 11 Um, so I'm just I'm glad to be here and um, it's it's interesting though I, I like the way you put it it's it's a perspective and it's just my my perspective. I know people are gonna watch because people watch the trial. You know, it's it's what lure you know lures you in. But I think I'm watching for for something different because I know how the story ends. I mean, we all do. I was watching particularly to see how my dad was portrayed. Yeah. Because no matter what, he's still my father. Um, of course, he has faults, but I know as a lawyer, that's where he excels. Where he excelled, and I kind of feel like. They spent so much attention on the extra, and, like, I never heard him use the word ain't. That was so interesting to me that I'm like, now why would they have him speak that way? And the scene with the closet I thought was over the top, that he didn't have a closet like that. So there were just a few things that I could tell. I was like, okay, they're taking creative license, and that's fine. Because that's it, is, a- it is... You know, it, it is
0: weird to call it entertainment, but it is right. it is not a documentary. It right. is a
1: dramatization exactly. of something that happened in the 1990s. Exactly. And it, as long as people realize that it's, you know, there's some liberties they took with the script, that's fine. Because certainly Cato Kalen has not been happy with his portrayal either. Yeah, I, I could see why. Yeah.
0: So I want you to take us back because those folks who are watching The People vs. O.J., We'll, we'll know and saw the first it's, t- it's 10 weeks it started this past tuesday and continues on tuesday nights at 10 on fx you know they open by taking us back and reminding us of what happened with rodney king and then right. the riots and then the murders which happened in 93 the trial which quite honestly gave birth to court tv real oh, yeah. tv all of this reality tv Absolutely. because the, the the trial was carried gavel to gavel On television and then the verdict and this was early in your career as a journalist right
1: I was doing the news I was a main anchor at the ABC affiliate in Florence Myrtle Beach South Carolina it's my second big job I had um, moved there from Augusta Georgia and you know I had all the high hopes of, of any brand new journalist I was excited about my new job learning my new town and then this happened and I you know I kept a journal at the time And somebody asked me, well, how did people know that that was your father? And I think I remember when I first moved into the market, the newspaper did a story, and they said, oh, you know, her dad is Johnny Cochran. And at that time, people in Southern California and definitely Los Angeles knew my dad. He was a big figure had tons of of. Um, That's right.
0: He'd worked in the DA's office a couple of times. Had yes. been in private practice and yes. took on cases for for people who ordinarily don't get great representation exactly. in court.
1: He wasn't necessarily a celebrity attorney, but because Just of the results, well, because of the results that he had in the community, people really respected him. So this was his first time on a national platform so to speak and I think that there might have been like a little blurb written about me but I remember during the trial they um, were kind of doing backstories of all the folks and Peter Jennings did a story and he said it's interesting he has a daughter who does the news in South Carolina and they put my picture up and it was so funny after that it was like and I loved Peter I mean who didn't love Peter Jennings and I thought Hmm, that's interesting that Peter Jennings, because I was at an ABC affiliate at the time, and it was like, oh my gosh, Peter Jennings gave you a shout out, and I was like, I don't know if it was a shout out, but something like, you know, it that kind of changed people. If people my didn't in the community world.
0: didn't know who you yeah. were, they knew, they knew after that. that. Yeah, and it it's changed your whole world. How?
1: So initially, as as the as the series shows, my father wasn't initially a part of the team. He joined a little bit later. So many people had strong opinions before he joined the team. After he joined the team, and they really started to form their strategy and their approach, people were upset. They were like, wait a minute. This is not, this is not right. This is, this is a slam dunk case. Prosecution, they shouldn't even try him. Just send him straight to jail. So people didn't understand why. We know he did it. Why are we doing all this? But my dad was like, I was brought in to mount the best defense possible. And that's what he did. And so, the trial. I, part of the problem is the trial was so long, and people were so. It was just engrossing to to everyone. And I think if you got sucked in, you were kind of like, you felt like you knew these people, all the characters on both sides. Well, they were in your homes and every they day. They were in your homes on the TV every day, all day. There were pundits everywhere, pundits everywhere. So I think that people started to see, okay, hmm. I think people recognized that he was a fabulous attorney, but I think they did not like the way the trial proceeded. So I got caught in the middle. So In what way? I started receiving hate mail at my station. And at first I was like, you know, I mean, if you're in the public eye, especially if you're doing the news, people didn't like a story you did, whatever. But the tone, it was the tone that changed. Like, you really need to leave. Your father's ruining this country. So it got, you know, a little bit... So then, ultimately, the death threats started coming in. Death threats? And I remember one particularly vile letter I got. And they said, you know what? You'd be better off if you were just dead at the bottom of a local lake. And so I remember telling my boss, I said, this is probably pretty serious. And he said, it is. So then I remember one day, the station, there was a a threat to the station. So now... My work is being impacted because my coworkers—they don't want to be dragged into this. They come to work just like you know any of your coworkers. They want to do their job, do it well, go home. So I remember we had—he was like—I think we should bring in SLED, which was South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. So we brought in SLED to talk about should we take these seriously, and they were like, "Yeah, we should. We should investigate." We never found out who sent them, but then it became—you know—you're you're doing the news in a small town. And I'd be at the grocery store, and people were like, oh, you should be ashamed of your father. And it really, I'm like, what do I have to do with this? So after a while, I was like, okay, you know what? He's in California doing his job. I'm just here trying to do my job. Never did any stories on O.J. Simpson or the trial, because that would be ethical, ethically terrible. So I didn't really understand what, why I was being targeted. Trial um, persists, and it just got worse and worse and worse. So. Ultimately, as the verdict drew closer, I realized, okay, this is going to be a watershed moment because I felt like, you know, I didn't know which way it was going to go. I felt like the prosecution had some problems. The defense had some problems. You never know with a jury because you don't know what's in their minds, especially since they were sequestered. We don't know what was going on. So eventually it got so bad I, I went off the air because we felt like you mean you just had to take a leave of absence? I took a leave. It wasn't... At that time, I don't think we called it a leave of absence. It was just like, she's not here, um, you know, she'll Did she'll you still go back. to work or you just... No, Mm-mm. I stayed home. I had a security guard with me. And I really started to get depressed because I thought, you know, it's not fair that I'm having to go through this. And I remember my parents were just freaked out. My dad was like, just come home. And I was like, I'm not coming home. I have a job. I have a career. Why would I come home? I'm 24 years old. This is my life. <laughs> but you're a daddy's gonna, girl, too. Right. I'm a daddy's girl. But I said, you know, I'm going to ride this out. So the verdict came in. I remember watching it hold up with two security guards in my apartment. And I thought, Ugh. So I watched the reactions, and I thought, my life is never going to be the same. But... Um, my boss and I decided that I would still stay away and I came back to work and I could feel a difference My coworkers were wonderful because they knew me and they supported me But I could tell it was draining. I was I was a tremendous distraction and I thought Maybe I need to leave not quit, but maybe I need to find an, another job um, in a bigger town where it won't matter who my dad is and so uh, my contract was coming to an end anyway. And I thought, okay, this might be the perfect time. So I thought, where do I want to go? And I thought, hmm, Atlanta. It was right after the Olympics, and I thought, you know, everyone was, was writing about Atlanta, how fabulous it was. So I came here for an interview. Still the number
0: one moving and, destination in 2016.
1: Oh, yeah. It's And you see why. We're here. Yes. You've been here a lot longer than I have. Um, well, you're a native, which I did not know, which yeah. is awesome, by the way. So, you know, I I applied for a job here, and... I remember leaving here thinking hmm I feel like I have the job but you know you never know and I said if it's meant to be it's meant to be so I got the job and I ended up leaving um, South Carolina and coming here and I felt like I always say Atlanta saved me because I was so discouraged I was like oh, you know what am I gonna do my career is just starting and this is you know by not your fault it's not my fault um, But then I I kind of felt like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to take control. You know, you always feel better when you do something. And I took control, and I moved here, and I remember my boss telling me, now, we know you've been through a lot, but this is an opportunity for you to shine as a journalist. I don't care who your father is. If you do your job, you'll do well here. If you get mired in your past, you're going to have problems. So you decide what your future is going to look like. And I never forgot that. And I said, I'm moving forward. And I stayed at Channel 11 for 11 years. Great time. Still have great relationships with folks over there. And it made me realize when you criticize someone, okay, he has every right to be criticized. He's in the public eye. But when you criticize the child of someone, you have no idea how painful and hurtful that is and how unfair it is. And I think that made me a better journalist, because when you can actually go through something like that and then care how you treat other people, make sure you're compassionate, I was a better journalist. And so looking back on it, it really, it, it, it matured me in a way I, I could never fully express.
0: And you truly understand more than anybody else why, for example, our political candidates, especially the presidential candidates, say— uh, absolutely leave no the kids children. alone
1: absolutely when people talk about donald trump's daughter and sons or sarah palin's children i'm always like okay you know what they didn't ask to, to be brought into this leave them out of it if you have a problem with that person deal with that but don't bring their children in it because really now you're forcing the child to evaluate everything that they know and you, you are emotional, so you're passionate because this is your parent being attacked. You want to attack. But I realized all I can do is just let everybody know what he means to me as a father. Whatever opinion someone has of Johnny Cochran, they're going to have it. But I, I'm in a position to make sure you know that he was an outstanding father. He was a great civil rights humanitarian. He loved giving back to his community. These are the things that I can control. And now you are essentially in the family business. Tell us about what you're doing these days. So, you know, I I really wanted to kind of, um, after my father died, I realized I wanted to make some changes in my own life. And we had talked about me kind of starting a communications wing with his law firm, but we never got to do it together. And I I realized after 17 years um, doing the news that I was ready for a change. I was kind of becoming saddened by the stories I was covering, and I thought, you know what, maybe it's time for me to eh, make a change. And I, my husband and I wanted to have a child, and I thought, this is probably the right time. I was having problems conceiving, and my, I remember my doctor saying, you know, I think you're stressed. And I was like, I don't think so. But you don't know, because that's all I, thats the only job I had was doing the news, and I didn't, I'd had this headache for, like, years. You know, deadlines, and, but it was such a part of my life. I was like, eh, I'm so used to having a headache. So I went to my bosses at Channel 11, and I said, um, I think I want to do something else. But I want to make sure that I'm not leaving. Um, and it puts you all in a, in, a, in a difficult position. So we worked it out, and I, and I left Labor Day. Uh, I remember the, the Saturday before Labor Day, 2007. Mm-hmm. And the month after I left, I got pregnant. So I think there is something to be said about not realizing how stressed you are and then you get out of a situation and then you say, oh, maybe I was stressed. And then I thought, okay, I want to help continue my dad's legacy because I feel like after someone passes, it's really up to the organization and the folks in the organization to make sure that legacy is carried out in a positive way. So I thought I want to do something with the Cochran firm. I have no desire to go to law school. Don't want to be a lawyer. Um, what could I do? And I thought, you know what? I can help with communications in making sure, you know. And since I was already in Atlanta, I joined the Atlanta office and I've been there since October 2007. I had my daughter the next um, July 2008, and um, left for a while to be a um, part-time to be a um, stay-at-home mom came back after she went to school and been there ever since and it's it's been good so now I've transitioned into a national role as the brand manager making sure the brand stays on target and that we make sure people know and the, the firm is active with offices in 20 many? cities 20 cities Outstanding. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot but it's manageable and I enjoy it because I get to speak uh, about my dad and and what he's able to still do because oftentimes when the founder of a law firm passes the law firm just kinda folds folds but we've been able to, to keep it together um... and this is his vision and I've in, I've enjoyed doing it, so I use my gifts to kind of further his vision. I'll which, always remember when good. your
0: dad spoke at the NABJ. I guess it was the year after the verdict, and yes, was that in Philly? Yeah, it was in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and all the journalists in the room lost their minds and forgot that they were journalists and treated him like the rock star that he was.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was there with him. It was it was a lot of fun. It was that it was, was a, good. that was. A moment. I do miss I do miss the the the. Um, my professional friends in journalism. Oh, you can come back But yeah, I, I, I realize I can... You I never can, leave. Yeah, I can always... Once a member, always a member. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what have you? What, as we wrap up, do you want folks out there in the Atlanta viewing audience who are mm-hmm. probably tuning in and watching this mm-hmm. uh, piece of of television to, to take away
1: from what they're watching over the next 10 weeks? That's a great question. I think the most important thing is to realize that he was so much bigger than this one trial. And I understand it was it was a huge deal. But I think about... Geronimo Pratt, how he fought for him for 27 years, I mean let's face it, most lawyers after you lose a few times you move on, but he stuck with him, and for him to be um, exonerated and released after 27 years and my dad fought alongside with him I was like, now that is a testament to the type of person and attorney he is and I think of um, you know, I think of all the, the, the people that he was able to changed their lives. Um, He had a case, the Deadweiler case, a man who was driving his pregnant wife to the hospital, and he was shot, killed, shot and killed by the police. This is before Trayvon Martin. This is before all the the rash of of shootings that we've had. This is back in the 70s and 80s, the things he was able to do. He was able to make sure police departments in in California stopped doing the chokehold These are the things I want people to know about him. Which means they should read his book. Why don't you tell us the name of your dad's book? Absolutely, Journey to Justice is his book that kind of really gives a whole varied summary of his career, not just the Simpson trial. Um, I just want people to understand that um, he loved the law, and he was masterful at his job. And that means that you're going to mount defenses to get your client off, and that's what he did. Tiffany Cochran Edwards, always a great day to see you. Thanks for having me. It's been me. too long. I know. Hang out. We, we need to get together more often. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: American Crime Story The People vs. O.J. Simpson continues Tuesday nights at 10 on FX. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.